Hi, I'm Nikki. I am 30 years old. I'm originally from Washington, D.C., and I work in film production. Hi, I'm Hadi Jetu. I am a writer, 33 years old, born in Gambia, West Africa, and partially raised in Washington State. We've been together for five years. And we've been happily married for four years. We don't have any kids yet, but we have a fur baby, Zoe, and she keeps us on our toes. And our love story is revolutionary. Welcome to Our Love Story, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every week, a real couple recounts how they met, how they fell in love, and the biggest moments of their relationship. Now, let's hear their love story. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Before we met, I was actually taking a break from dating. Being in the LGBTQ community, I was just really trying to figure out what I wanted making sure that pretty much that I was, I can't say perfect for who I was going to be with, but just making sure that if I was asking for certain things in a relationship that I was also being able to provide that. I had been in some unfortunate relationships, we'll say, before I came out and after I came out. And I had been in relationships with people who were closeted and it wasn't a healthy experience for me. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was really comfortable and proud of being out before I was partnered with someone. We had mutual friends and everybody kept telling us that we needed to meet each other. And I was hesitant because what it seemed like everyone was saying to me was, I know another lesbian, you guys should know each other. But it turned out to be more of a, no, you guys are the same type of person situation. And uh, they were right. I was also hesitant, probably a lot of fear that was going on. She kept coming up all the time randomly. I would dodge it. And then one night I just couldn't. I was home and she walked in and I just beelined it straight to her and just started asking a whole bunch of questions, actually. (laughs) So it actually was the week after Valentine's Day. I had had a particularly unfortunate Valentine's Day, but it was completely my fault. I didn't want any of the Valentines that wanted me. So, you know, that was my fault. I was in a a weird place and I had kind of just been being a homebody all week. And uh, my friend had just come out and she was like, I want to go to the gay bar. There's an all girls party on Saturday. You should come with me and be my wingman. And I told her I'm going to be a grandma tonight. I really don't want to. But then she convinced me and I stopped by her house beforehand and she had just moved in with her. So 
she opens the door and she's sitting there and I'm like, well, hello, I wasn't expecting you to be here, but I obviously knew who she was already, but I was trying to play it cool. And just immediately she just started like hitting me with, with jokes. And I, um, you know, that's my love language though. So I'm like, okay, you're cool. And I wanted her to come out to the club with us. And we got to the club. It was not a great time at all. They were playing a very ancient playlist, we'll say. And she texted our friend, I don't want to be here. And I thought, wow, this girl is really honest. I don't want to be here either. And we started bonding from there. We were in the car and then we just meeting, we were singing the same song and she knew every word to a song that I didn't think anybody else really knew. And so we were just, it was very corny, but it was no, I didn't care. I was like, wow, like we are just singing our hearts out. My roommate was sitting there just like, just also very surprised, but it was like nobody else was in the car. Yeah, that whole night it was like nobody else was even there. Yeah, we went back uh, to the apartment and we talked about music and poetry and laughed. And we, we talked about all sorts of things that I don't normally talk to people about, like family and coming out stories and all sorts of stuff. Before I knew it, it was like three o'clock in the morning. That night was a really weird night for me because like I said, I was not interested in dating. I had just like sabotaged two different Valentine's Day situations. I was not interested, I was not looking. And that night I felt like I just had like a flash forward and I knew that she was gonna be my wife. I didn't do anything to act on that or pursue it or anything like that. I kind of just knew it in the back of my head, like, okay, well, if it happens like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it's, it's her, it's gonna be her. I didn't even share any of that with her. I don't even know if she really knew like I was into her like that. I kind of just tucked it in the back of my head. Yeah, sitting there talking to her and something like talking about poetry. Like I was like, this person's gonna think this is weird. Um, but she was so interested in things that I was saying and I wasn't feeling self-conscious. So we were just going back and forth. There was something that I had never felt that was going on. and probably falling in love and I'm like wow like I can talk to this person forever and I didn't want to do anything else all my focus was on her I mean I think I offered to make pasta I did a terrible job and I knew how to make pasta but I was just messing things up she did make pasta and she made it like very horribly and we joked we still joke about it when she cooks dinner now I forgot about that she put it in cold water and then started to boil it. Like I said, <laughs> I was nervous. <laughs> Our first date happened because she surprised me with flowers just on a random... Be because I, I felt like you, you love someone. Well, I guess I loved you then. I was like, you love someone, you just show it. Like you don't wait, you just go. And I was like, I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna go get her flowers and I'm gonna drop it off at her front door and I'm gonna run. I heard somebody at the door and my dog started to bark. And so I woke up and I went out there and I didn't see anybody, but there were these beautiful yellow roses there. And she had asked me what my favorite flowers were, but I didn't think anything of it. But she had remembered and they were very beautiful. I actually still have them dried. And I love musical theater. And she had a little note that referenced anything goes. It was just so thoughtful and so kind. I just felt like I wanted to do the same thing for her. 
I had planned to take her out to this like beachfront restaurant in Malibu and all of that. And it was raining that day. And I just realized, you know, "Eh, Nikki, you might be doing a little too much. Like, just relax. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take her to Roscoe's because that's where I feel most at home. Like when I'm homesick in L.A., that's where I like to go just because the feel of the place kind of feels like you're eating in your auntie's kitchen. Um, So I said, just put on like a T-shirt and some jeans and we're going to Roscoe's. And we were talking at Roscoe's and she said, well, do you know what the florist said to me? Uh, when I got the flowers and she said, the florist said, come back when you're getting married. And I had known that in my mind, I knew that she was like my wife from the beginning, but I never said that to her. So her saying that to me was like, oh, wow, she knows too. It was just so easy. It was just like, okay, cool. We both know that. Back to the sweet potato pie. It just felt like home. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Well, I grew up in a very, uh, very religious household. I mean, extremely religious. Like, we didn't celebrate Halloween because the only ghost that should be in our house is the Holy Ghost, like that religious. So I knew pretty early on that being gay was not going to be well received. I grew up similar to Nikki, but we uh, practice Islam. So I grew up in a country that doesn't accept that whatsoever. When it came to marriage and when it came to something that important, it was really tough. Um, It was kind of like a make or break. It was like, hey, I'm going to really be bold and stand up. I love this person. I love this woman. I can't, I'm not going to change myself for anyone. And I never was. I was never trying to hide, but it's never been easy. I think we knew that we weren't going to get any sort of approval for being together from people who didn't accept that we were gay in the first place. I knew that this was the person that I wanted to marry. I knew that we were on the same page with that. I also knew that there was just 
a 0% chance of me going to her parents and saying, hey, I want to marry your daughter and getting that approval and a 0% chance of her going to my parents and getting approval as well. So we just made the decision to do things our way. Yeah, so I always thought I was going to be the one to actually propose. I mean, I kind of, when you look at me more masculine presenting, so I just kind of put this role on myself. Um, I'm still kind of navigating our world. Then I just thought that it was going to be me proposing. Like I had kind of just like, okay, when I find the right person, I'm going to propose. I guess the expectation she put on herself as somebody who's more masculine presenting, I think that I had those same things on the opposite side. I think that the world views me as very feminine. And because of that, they treat me like I am uh, supposed to be like very submissive. And, you know, this is such a stupid way of thinking, but she's the man in the relationship. And I'm like, no, we are both women. That's the whole point. And as a more femme presenting person, I wanted to have the opportunity to do that as well. And I think I secretly wanted somebody to propose to me because <laughs> in other relationships, I had to take on that role. I just like didn't feel like it was, like I said, you're trying to find yourself. I didn't feel like it was me. And I just wanted to just express however I wanted to. So I had no idea that this was even happening. Um, we were going on a date and we were going to do coffee and stargazing. So I was just like, cool, love coffee. We're in the car. It was just perfect. We were listening to songs and she presented me a book. I'm a writer, so I love books. And I was like, wow, how thoughtful, like, this is amazing. She wrote a book, like, just like maybe this is just a random gift. Cause she's always, she always does these random gifts and I'm reading, I'm reading and I'm reading this book and it's just amazing. And she's just explaining herself and talking to me about just the things that she loves and I get to like the second to last page and then it kind of took a turn and I I was like wait is she gonna like is this is this is she what is what's happening and I just see that she's like so will you marry me and I just I freaked and I I just cried I feel like I just like wasn't even there I, I cried for like probably 10 minutes and I'm not didn't say yes or anything. I just bawled like out loud, ugly cry. It was it was intense. But yeah, it, it was amazing. And of course, I said yes. Yeah, those 10 minutes while she was crying and didn't say yes, though, were terrifying to me. Because <laughs> I was like, OK, but what is the answer? Will you marry me or no? I told my family after we got engaged and it was not a great response. And I think part of that response is what informed my decision to just say, I don't want to have a wedding. I think for me, I had a, a huge uh, fear of knowing that they weren't going to show up anyway. So I, I guess I didn't even want to put a lot of energy into trying to make that happen after hearing the reaction to the engagement. Yeah, I told my family after we got engaged and um, there was no issue when I told them after we got engaged. It was like, congratulations. You know, it was a kind of a hard read. But you told siblings and not parents. Yes, very true. Parents, no, I did not tell. I did not tell my parents. I kind of knew what that was going to be. 
Like we said, I did not want to ruin that moment. I knew what, what was going on, how important it was, and I was going to do it anyway. So I didn't have a say in that. I did eventually tell my, my family after we got married. And the hardest part is um, they say congratulations, but you, you the energy is just, it's like, hey, I I'm happy for you, but it didn't read that way. I always knew that it was going to go this way. So I don't think I ever really, I never really wanted a huge wedding. I didn't want to spend a lot of time planning. I didn't want to spend a lot of money. I didn't want the anxiety of figuring out which family members were going to show up, which ones weren't. I never really wanted that. I really just always wanted it to be a very intimate experience between me and my person. So what we actually ended up doing was picking out our clothing together and going to the courthouse and getting married and driving off into the sunset and spending like a week at the beach away from everybody. And it was magical. I would not change a single thing about it. It was perfect. Yeah, I thought that that was the best way for us to do it. Best day of my life. Finally being able to get married felt surreal. I don't know if I had ever even fully seen that moment for myself prior to that. And so in the moment, it felt like it was something that was bigger than us. Like it meant more than just our partnership. Like the fact that we were able to just easily obtain a marriage license and go to the courthouse and get married without telling anybody. And it wasn't a huge thing. I just felt grateful for it. And I felt grateful for every person who came before us that fought for us to actually be able to do it that easily. I knew how important it was for us to get married after uh, marriage equality passed. Um, just knowing um, our history and knowing how many people fought for us to have that right. I mean, I would just say out of respect for that and lives that have been lost and um, people that have been shunned and closeted or whatever the case may be, to be able to do that and stand in front of the woman that I love was amazing. I think 2020 has definitely been a year that has taught us a lot about ourselves and our relationship with each other, just through how we are navigating everything that's happening in the world. We're hearing a lot right now about protecting Black women and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. I find a lot of comfort every day knowing that even though I have to tell people to protect Black women, and I have to tell people that Black Lives Matter in the outside world, I don't have to do that in my home. We see each other, we respect each other, we protect each other every single hour of every day. And that is a very healing and comforting experience to have at home base, even though the world hasn't quite heard us on that yet. I am so grateful that she's here with me through these moments. And I think that it hasn't done anything but strengthen our bond. All this is going on around us. We kind of look at each other and the places where we need to grow, we're able to talk about the places we have grown. We're also able to celebrate during these times. So when we say our love is revolutionary, being two black women that sit with each other and try to navigate the world 
regardless of what the world thinks. Um, I think that's the part that's revolutionary and that's the part we try to really just sink in and not not necessarily drown and because you know it can get heavy so we try to really you know we try to bring our hearts into everything that we do and try to show that with how we love each other for me i'm excited about raising kids one day i think we'd be both be uh, great parents just being able to do some good in the world i know we're excited about that being able to not necessarily perform it, but just being able to show the world like there's nothing to be scared of here. We are two people that exist. So just being able to do those things that I never thought were possible, um, never thought that I could have. Marriage was one of them. Here we are married. So it's like the next things, the generational things, like being able to pass that down, whether it's the story you pass down, whether it's you know generational wealth, whatever it is, being able to do that as a couple in the LGBTQ community is very important. I'm really excited about building a family legacy together. We met an older man and he said, I'm going to be a grandfather, right? And I go, wow, gay grandparents, huh? Like I never had even thought about it. And I just realized there's so many things I just never even thought about for myself or saw for myself that I'm able to now. And I'm excited to build that with her. I'm excited to have our little stamp on the family tree and have, you know, descendants that can say that they came from a two mom family and they can, you know, vouch for the fact that we were here just in case somebody tries to erase it. Thanks for listening to our love story. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and on Twitter at ParCast Network. For more episodes of Our Love Story, follow us on Spotify and check out other ParCast originals, all available on Spotify. Our Love Story is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It's created by John Cohen. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Our Love Story is produced by John Cohen and associate produced by Ashley Hanna. 